They will be back. They will be back. How's it going? My name's Andy. Happy Easter. He is risen. He is risen indeed. All right. It's Easter Sunday, arguably the greatest day in the calendar of the church. Uh, it's an amazing day to commemorate the final saving act of God, the turning point in history where Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. It's an amazing statement. It's an amazing day. And as I've been reflecting on Easter, and really this season, as I've been reflecting as I head into hopefully what is the second half of my life, I've been considering how the Eastern season, which includes Lent and, yes, Holy Week, which leads to Easter, but particularly Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and, yes, today, how it it really uh, exemplifies what life is. It um, validates the human experience that each and every one of us live, we're oriented with different detachments, different desires, and disappointments here and there that all lead up to having expectations. And then in life, there's Good Fridays, where our expectations are somewhat shattered, just like uh, the disciples, just like the people of Israel, where their expectations are shattered. And our life changes, and we are in a season of disorientation where we're waiting in this space, not understanding why what happened had happened, whether it happened from our own hands or whether it was happened to us or some combination thereof, where we live in, as I stated, a disorientation, just what is going on, God? And then somehow, someway, as life has it, God brings a, a, a new sense of life, a new reorientation for us. There's breakthrough. Uh, There's a new way, there's a new acceptance, a new beginning that's different than what our expectations are. It's different, and at the same time, it's more full in in God's own mystery, in God's own wonder. We are able to join and be part of something bigger, to get outside of ourselves. And and usually, as we head from our orientation to disorientation to reorientation, when we head from life to death and burial and resurrection, uh, God gives us a word or a theme for this, these new seasons in life, at different aspects of our life, in different seasons of life. So as a kid, for me, I, uh, I was part of a church in St. Anne's and Bethany Beach, and I loved um, serving there. I, I, I served there as an altar server from ages 7 to 13. And um, Kim, I love you, dude. It's kind of distracting for me. Oh. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> It's, I love you, girl. I love you. I know you do. I know you do. Can I do it a little bit? Uh, yes, but maybe not right in front of me. It was disorienting for me in that moment. <laughs> just naming that, just naming that. Do love you so much. And uh, as a kid, I, I would work. Also, I had my first job age 13 at Shore Break in Bethany Beach, slipping burgers, Hawaiian shave ice. And I had to move quickly from my job to the church where I help the different ministers serve the bread and wine. And I remember one time being so grubby, didn't have time to change, shower, even jump in the ocean. I head in the church and throw on my garb. And Father Masterson looked over me, and he's like, looking at my feet where my brown shoes usually were, and they were sandals. And he looked at me and said, pretty cool. Jesus wore sandals, too. And it was in that moment, in the rush of life and and trying to show it to be something that I thought I had to be, I realized that God had a word of freedom for me, freedom just to be me. 
And then different season of life, as I grew older, as I head into from essentially the, the party hard, work hard society that is college to post-college, which has its highs that are not so high and our lows that seem seemingly too low, there was a moment where God caught hold of me and said, hey, Andy, I think it's time for you to have a new season in your life. It was a season where I was living for me, me, and me, and God caught hold of me and said, no, I want you to live for others. And that was a great word that God had for me, a new season. And even recently, as I'm exploring just the difficulty, wonder, and at the same time, beauty of faithfulness, what it means to be committed to God and others, I'm recognizing that God's given me a word of faithfulness in the small things as well as the big things. Because as the old adage says, in the end, it, the small things really are the big things. So those are words that God has for me. Freedom, a new season, a time of change, committed faithfulness. And all those words, as God would have it, as a God of life, would bring life, not just for me, but for others. And I'm wondering if God has a word for you today. That's what I'm wondering. Because at one point in history, Jesus, this God-man, he rose from the dead. But God and the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, they're still in the work of, of raising the dead, of bringing life to dead and dying places, places that may be numb, places that may be hurting, places that feel empty. And sometimes this is easily lost today as we celebrate that one Sunday, that first Sunday that God rose from the dead, we can lose the significance and meaning of God still raising the dead today. We lose just the true wonder of that first Easter Sunday where the, the sun rose as the sun rose. And that's what I'm interested in today is what, is what is God raising in you? What is God resurrecting in you? One of the implicit expectations for Easter, particularly in a church, particularly within our word-centered stream, is that it's a call to faith Sunday that we got to make sure that those who don't believe have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And I'm all in for that. I love it. I want people to know that grace abounds, that God's love precedes anything else, that sonship and daughtership is available. Forgiveness is free. He wants you to have life and life to the full as you trust in him as, your, as, as our Savior and the Lord of our life. I want you all to know that. That is part of having faith, trusting who God is and what God has done on that original Easter Sunday. Faith also is trusting what God is doing right now. What is God resurrecting in you right now? What is God resurrecting in you? What hurting area? Could it be something new, a new passion, a new calling? Sometimes something new means the beginning of something stopping. That God may want to uproot or stop something in your life so that the soil can be fresh for something new. You, you may not know what that new is, but God may be asking you to stop something so that something new can take place. What is God resurrecting in you? A question like that takes faith. It takes real faith, confidence and reliance in who God is, and a trust and a prayerful awareness of what God is up to right now in this moment, the God of resurrection. And so maybe you, you don't believe, and you're here. And I would like to say, hey, thanks for being here. We're really glad you're here. We'd love for you to stay a while, if that is you. I know most everybody here. 
I don't know where most everybody is at. And yet I think the question remains. Whether you believe, don't believe, you're curiously searching, not interested, the question remains, what is God resurrecting in you right now? As we talk about expectations, I think another implicit expectation on Sunday, when you bring a message, is it's, it's got to be good. It's got to be excellent, which is awesome. I'm all down. I'm pressure. I'm pressure. I love the pressure. It's got to be fresh and faithful. It's got to be, it's got to be new, but classic, traditional. It's got to be creative. So what are we going to do today? What are we doing? Are we going to do apologetics on the, on the empty tomb? Are we going to do an evidentialist perspective on how Christ changed history? Are we going to look at the arts? We just finished a book in Amos. Maybe we'll do the probability and statistics of prophetic fulfillment. What do you got for us, Andy? You got to bring the word. I want to bring the word. And I'm going to bring the best that I have for you. And you know what the best resource I have available is? Can anybody guess? It's you. Come on, Steph. There it is. It's you. It's you all. So here's the deal. As you think of that question, what has God resurrected me? I, I want you to help teach me this sermon. We're going to look at those different accounts. Those accounts, uh, three of them are read already. We're going to look at the account and see what God was resurrecting in the lives of people who were standing by him or hung beside him on the cross. We're going to look at a few of the lives that walked with Jesus on that very first Easter Sunday. And we're going to ask the question, what does God bring into life in the heart of those people so that we can begin to understand one of the many things that God's bringing to life in our own. I think I said that right. You got it. Does that make sense? So I'm trading in my points for you all teaching with me. We're going to reflect on some accounts. And we're going to think through, all right, God, what are you doing in the heart of these people on that first Good Friday and that first Easter Sunday to think through what may you be doing in our life right now? So the first account was that thief, those two thieves. And I did bring in some art because I like art. We're going to be looking at Rembrandt's Christ Crucified Between Two Thieves. That's in the New York Met right now. And uh, as you know, or you may not know, Christ died on a Friday between two thieves who lived a criminal's life and what were much more desperate times than our own. We don't know their backstories. What we do know is these two thieves that are beside them from Mark's gospel, at one point were hurling insults at Jesus. They were joining a jeering crowd, joining a jeering crowd. And at one point, one of the thieves had a change of heart. And that's what I'm curious about. One of the crimbles hung there, hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us, verse 39. Then 40. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence? We are punished justly for what we're getting, for we are getting what our deeds deserved. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Since you're all preaching with me today, <laughs> the question is, what does God bring into life and the heart of this man that came to Jesus' defense. This time, we're just going to popcorn some ideas. But what does God bring into life? Why am I walking around like this? There you go. That's a good spot. And the heart of this man that came to Jesus' defense. This is where the Holy Spirit is going to do some teaching through you all. What's happening here? 
What's, what's resurrecting? Yeah, Mike. Forgiveness. Forgiveness, all right. That's a good word. So another word. Awareness. Awareness. Keep coming. I'm, I'm, I'm a fast writer. One more time, louder. Repentance, turning towards God. These are great words. Hope. Yeah. I don't know if I spell everything right, just FYI. Hope. Any other words? Promise. A promise. That's a good one. Promise. Everlasting life. Future. Someone say future. A future. A future. Very good. Here's one that I have that I'm thinking through is sobriety. That this was a sobering moment. And the previous ways that he was living, uh, he knew at that moment weren't giving him life. And so he changed his life, if even for a few last minutes. Sobriety was there. He chose a different way, very much like awareness. See? Meaning. It's great, dude. Meaning. Very good. You guys are teaching an awesome Easter sermon. Look at you all. This is great. James, you got something, homie? Uh, fear, despair, suffering. Fair, despair, fear. fear. Yeah. Thank you. Sweet. All right, good teaching. We're to keep on, class. You're doing it. You're rocking it. Next account. The centurion. Greg read this passage a minute ago. It said, uh, Jesus' last moments, at least according to Luke's account, is that he cried out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God, saying, surely this was the righteous one. Matthew and Mark record uh, a similar statement, righteous one could be concluded the son of God, that surely this man was a son of God. And I know through some research that gospel writers wanted to include this account for several reasons. Several reasons. The centurion was overseeing this execution. He was executing the execution. Uh, that's the uh, confession of the centurion in that moment. said he praised God, saying that statement. And uh, they said this to vindicate Jesus, to show again that he did nothing wrong. And what's interesting is that centurion, because he's overseeing this event that happened uh, six hours, I believe, plus, is that he saw it all go down. He saw every moment, each statement that Jesus said from the cross, he saw it happen. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. He saw the moment with the thieves. He saw when he told the apostle John, I need you to look after my mom. And he told his mother hanging from a cross, this is your son who's going to look after you. He saw the moment where he said, I thirst. We cried out to God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He saw it all. It is finished. Into your hands I commit my spirit. And from witnessing this account, God did something wonderful and miraculous in the heart of the centurion. As you watch this, this is called Confession of Centurions by James Jacques Joseph. What did God do? This is the question. What does God bring to life in the heart of the centurion as he takes it all in? This time, I want you guys just to 
pair and share, to take a moment and reflect, and then we'll have your group share. It's Easter. It's a fun day to celebrate and gather. So what is God doing? Take a moment and share with your neighbor. All right. Take another 10 seconds, and you all will be sharing. So some words. First, I'll share Drew's word. Drew brought a good word of surprise. I want to hear some other words. So groups, group sharing time. I'm so bad. It's, okay. Conviction. Really good. Culpability. That's very good. Very good. Humility. Nice. Nice. Can I use truth? Okay, sweet. Like yes, ma'am. Oh, good word. Vulnerability in front of all the other soldiers. That is dope. Accountability. Shoot. You remember when you're writing your papers and your notes and you go down the line? <laughs> Vulnerability. Someone said accountability? Okay. Man, you all are preaching the word today. Look at this. Courageous. Courageous. Keep coming. Keep coming. Despair. Despair? Nice. Guilt. Guilt. Somebody say? Any other words? Was that you, Maddie? What up, Maddie? I do allegiance. Ooh, a new allegiance. Yes, a new authority. Allegiance. I like that. What is leadership? Really good. You guys are crushing it. Look at this. You're making this job so much easier. Um, I want to keep moving, and there'll be more. Um, the Women at the Tomb. There's a painting here by Annabelle Carucci during the Baroque period. It's called Women at the Tomb, where they encounter, in loose count, there's seemingly two angelic messengers that give them the word of what's happening. A lot of people like to focus on Mary Magdala being the first apostle, and she is. She's the first one to come to the tomb early that Sunday morning and to meet the risen Lord and to hear him say her name. And a lot of times they like to bring up the fact that if this whole resurrection was a farce, they never would have brought women to be the first of the grave because they didn't have a voice in court. They never would have brought it up unless it was indeed true. Uh, unfortunately, society never saw women in that time as leaders. That wasn't the case for Jesus. He wanted them, um, he, he, he commissioned them to go tell the others. Then they remembered his words. The Son of Man must be delivered over the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then later on it says, 
They came back from the tomb. They told all these things to 11, to the others. This is verse 9 of Luke 24. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother, James, and the others with them who told this to his apostles. But in that moment, when those angelic messengers at the tomb said this, then they remembered his words. I'm curious, what, what is God bringing to life at the heart of these women as they remembered Jesus' words? What was happening in that moment? What resurrection was happening right in that moment in these women? I do appreciate um, this painting. I also love another painting by Jacob Lawrence. It's called The Promised Land that a lot of uh, Christian spiritual writers in recent times use to depict the account that's happening. It's it's the next one, Drew. Uh, it's, It's originally meant to... Uh, depict enslaved people who are just finishing uh, Harriet Tubman's railroad trail to freedom. But it's also been used, as Harriet Tubman's called New Moses, to depict the people of Israel coming into the promised land and even these women as they run from the tomb, from the promised God. So what's happening in this moment? What does God bring into life in the heart of these women? And my teachers, don't worry, I'm prepared. I am prepared. Take a moment to share with, your, with uh, the people around you as we consider this next question. Again, maybe try different, somebody else around you. If that's easy, if not, you can hang with your crew. But what's bring, what does God bring to life in the heart of these women as they remember Jesus' words? Take a moment and, and share. All right. Shirley, you got something for me? It's OK. What, what does God do in the heart of these women as they remember Jesus' words? Validation. Validation. Oh, that's a great word. Validation. Validation. Shock. I just got to write like this. Shock. Ah. Who said ah? Nice, Jack. Ah. Uh. Alicia? Confirmation. Confirmation. Nice. Nice. Confirmation. Surprise. Surprise. <coughs> I'm going to underline. It's somewhere in there. Boop. Confusion. That's good. All these words have meaning and significance. Anybody else want to give it a go? We've got one more passage. And you'll, you'll preach your Easter message. You'll get a certificate when you leave, <laughs> all of you. <laughs> a gift. It's good. Drew, what did you tell me? That's right. Thanks, big man. Joy. Let's go. Now. Now we move on. Oh, now what? Oh. It's like. It's like. Kim bringing the heat. Now what? No, it's good. I'm going to put now what in quotes. Very good. Now what? 
One more account. This one we didn't read. This one is uh, the disciples on Emmaus Road. We're going to just continue with two who met with, unknowingly, Jesus later on that Easter Sunday. I'm going to read through this account. And I just want us to consider, oh, yeah, the question again is, what is God resurrecting in your life? And as you take in all these words, think through, does God have a word for me? It could be that word. It could be something unique. Luke 24, verse 13 says this. Now that same day, two of them were going to the village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, they were with each other. Jesus himself came up and walked with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. And he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and all of our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, this is Jesus speaking, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? In beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if they were, he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So we went in to stay with them. And there's a, there's a painting uh, by uh, Duccio. It's from the 1300s. It's uh, an egg-based enamel on wood. It's like a classic. It's called a mass. And you could see the two inviting Jesus in. And it's unknown who that second one is. Many believe it's Cleopas's wife. That's why it's kind of vague with that, who that person is. May not be, but Jesus joins them. He breaks bread with them. In that moment, he reveals himself to them. He reveals himself. And the scriptures say this, that when he was at the table with them, he, he took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were open and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And so I just want to think back at that moment where they invited Jesus in. Won't you please come and stay with us? What was God doing in that moment, in the heart of these two, after a day like theirs? What was God bringing to life in the heart of these two people after a day like theirs? We'll do another one of popcorning. You're my teachers. Clarity. Clarity. 
inspiring. Hope. Clarity, inspiring hope. I got all this. It's in here. Clarity. What else? Clarity, inspiring hope. Great. Did I hear another one? What's God doing in the heart of these? Enlightenment. Teaching? That's good. Grace, come on. It's a graceful counter. How God pursues them. It's like you can't, you can't walk away from Jesus. He goes where you go. He calls us to follow him, but in the mystery of it all, he, he's following us. Even if you leave, he's walking with you. Any other words? Thoughts? Relationship. There you go, Josiah. This is great. You did great. You brought the word today. We brought the word. We have to pay attention to this because the same God who raised uh, Jesus from the dead, the same Holy Spirit, that raised Christ from the dead is living within us. In fact, the scriptures say that in Romans 8, that the spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in you. The God who did all these things, even some of these words that feel like, what's going on there? The God who did all these things has a word for you. So the question remains, in this season, what is God resurrecting in you? What word or theme or idea does he have for you? What does God want for you? And even if you feel like it's God wanting something from you, it'll still always be for you. That's the beauty of how he works. And I do have a word. Um, you actually go back to that slide, Drew. Sometimes when that question comes up, that can be disorienting, even in and of itself. It's like, I don't, I don't have a word. What are you talking about? I'm feeling empty right now. I'm feeling like the tomb. And, and as I talked about that idea of Good Friday and Easter Sunday, I think one of the most missed holidays in the church is Holy Saturday. And on Good Friday, uh, Sherry and Matt put on a really good event where you would go to these different stations and you would go sit as the last station in the tomb, which depicted in many ways that the Holy Saturday where you're just sitting there in the wait, where you're just waiting with Jesus in that tomb. It's a, it was a wonderful picture. It was, I've still been sitting with it all weekend. In many ways, we can feel like an empty tomb, but the truth, the tomb is not empty. And if you don't have a word today, that's okay, but I have a word for you, and it's simply this, it's hope. That if you don't have a word, the word for you today is simply hope. That you know the God of all good things will carry on his good work to completion that there are good things for you. It may be an excruciating process, but God promises good to those who love him. And so I, I would love for us, as we respond, as we listen to these songs, as we celebrate the risen Lord, who is still bringing life to dead and dying places, to maybe take a risk and to think of a word that God has for us. And to write that word on this tree, 
that looks like it's living, but not. (laughs) As a symbol of what God is doing in our lives right now. Does that make sense? The thing is, Christ's blood is what gave people life. And it's the Christian's testimony, which is the lifeblood of the church. It's the words of our mouths and meditation of our heart. It's our testimonies. It's our sharing what God's up to right now that carries on the message of that original Easter Sunday. He is the God of resurrection. Amen? So what is God resurrecting in you? When we listen to a song and invite the band up, I want to invite you forward just to come forward and write a word and hang it on, hang it on the tree. Amen? So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these teachers in this place. We thank you that you are all alive, that you rose us from the dead, that as the scripture said, as we were far from you, when we were in many ways, in every way, your enemy, Lord, that you still love us and that you came for us. You died for us. You rose for us, and by your power, you live in us, by your love. You accompany in us on what can be long, dirt roads that you are the God of life, that all these words are true because of who you are is truth, God. I thank you for an amazing Easter where I get to learn from my brothers and sisters who love and trust you. And if there's anybody here that haven't taken that step, Lord, I pray that they would know that you are the one who are bringing resurrection in their life right now, that you are the God of the living and not the dead that you want to bring life and abundance. And at the same time, you want to walk with us in our grief, that we're not alone, that hope is still there. All is not lost as we trust in you, God. Risen Lord, wonderful Savior. We pray this trusting you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.